This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. You know, Big Mike, most people say, oh man, there's nowhere, nowhere I'd rather be right now. There's nowhere I'd rather be than with one of, one of my best one of my best friends, my brother from another talking sports, but that's a lie. I don't want to be here right now. Uh, and I'm sure you right. don't either because they took I don't a take recess it personally. in the Senate. You know what I mean? They took a recess in the Senate. You know, excuse me. You might see me doing this here and there because I, I got my TV on uh, behind my monitor uh, so I can watch the second impeachment trial of uh, former president, now former president Donald J. Trump. Today, as you know, Mike, I'm sure you've been glued to the TV as well. Um, you know, they've been debating and, and eventually going to take a vote on the constitutionality of this trial, given that he is, uh, as I mentioned, a former president. And the reason I don't want to be here with you right now, Michael, or I wish, you know, maybe it started earlier or I'll show started later or something, is I just want to see the counter argument. <laughs> I, I want to I see... I want to see what Trump's defense attorneys are going to come with to suggest, to counter what Jamie Raskin just did in presenting the 13-minute video, which is as damning as it is, powerful as it is, convincing. Like, how do you how do you combat this? They should have. I don't know. If, I don't know if this. I don't know what the procedure is, Michael. Is there a coin toss? Because I would have deferred. I would have, or I would have taken the ball first. I would have said, you know what? Let us go first, because I'm not trying to go after this. I, I can't wait to see what they try to come with to, to suggest that this is non-constitutional just because he's a former president. Mike, you already know what the counter-argument is. That's why, um, that's why this whole process is so frustrating. You know what the counter-argument is. Oh, you've been hearing about it. It's uh, pretty, pretty deter in, in a determined way, in a focused way since November, since election night, but even before then. And that's why I brought up on the show... Right after, right in the early days, believe me, in the early days of this whole lie that the election was stolen, I brought up an article from Jane Meyer in the New Yorker. So Jane Meyer in the New Yorker, the, the, the date on the article was November 1st, 2020. And if you're keeping score at home, that means it was before the election. And if you really know about magazine writing, it means that she worked on that thing, knowing her work, she worked on that thing for, uh, for a couple of months for it to have a November 1st posting. So in this article that she started working on probably in August or September, knowing her and how thorough her work is, she gave you the blueprint for what would happen if Donald Trump lost the election. Everything that we're seeing right now, she wrote about it. What, but so she with all knew. due respect to Jane, he gave it to us. He gave it to yeah, us for he four did. years. He gave it to us. Yeah. We didn't need Jane Meyer he to did. do that. Like, if you've but, been paying attention, if you've got half a brain, and most of the Republican Party does not, I get that, but if you got half a brain and been paying attention to Donald Trump, 
He has been telling you that he was not going to take this thing sitting down and he's going to take it to the mattresses. With all due respect, yeah, to but see, mind. but I would say this, Mike. I would say this. What what Donald what Donald Trump gave you was a sketch. He gave you the the, the body was on the the body was on the sidewalk, so he gave you a sketch. Jay Meyer brought the body to life, put in flesh and movement, okay. and 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 um, and vernacular and all kinds of and idioms. I mean, she really put some flesh on that thing so you could see it vividly what this is about. So, so that's why I'm so disappointed. I'm disappointed, and I've been trying to avoid this topic. I've seen you had it on your feed for uh, for for a couple of weeks. And I've just kind of I've moved around it. I've very skillfully moved around it, and I'll just I'll just uh, share with people sometimes no. what we talk about in our very limited breaks. <laughs> Michael Smith will say, "Hey, Mike, what do you want to talk about next? Because we really don't have a blueprint. We just kind of we just kind of freestyle. What do you want to talk about next? And if that's on your feed, I will go anywhere else. I've gone anywhere else but there. But the reason is, I got to be a grown up and accept it." It's depressing. It's depressing to me as someone who loves the United States of America. It's depressing that so many people not only fell for it, but are falling for it and living it and fighting it along with our former president. And I will continue to call him a president because I never want us to forget that we elected, we elected Donald Trump. Yes, we did. As a country, we elected Donald Trump uh, once and almost did it twice. It's depressing. Bruce Castor, Bruce Castor Jr. has started uh, as they try to argue that it's unconstitutional to try and potentially convict a former president. So just to recap, just to recap, um, it is you can't indict a sitting president. You can't try a former president. <laughs> so just basically, you know, there's just where our hands are tied here. Let the uh, Republican Party tell it. I mean, look, Michael, this is it, it wasn't just the 77 or 80 days or what have you leading up to the election where uh, that culminated. It, this, the, the insurrection, the attack, the terrorist attack, the seizing and sieging of the Capitol uh, was not an accident. It wasn't just a party that just got a little out of hand and we should just move on. The music just didn't just get a, a little too loud. This was the inevitable eventuality of the lie that the election was stolen. That lie didn't begin with the election or on November 1st. That lie started prior to the campaign. That lie started, right. uh, frankly, when the president, the first time he was impeached, his first impeachment, there's a through line from his first impeachment to this, because his first impeachment was about abusing his power to try to perform a quid pro quo with the president right. of Ukraine to get dirt on Joe Biden. Get so dirt he, so, on Joe so Biden. Th this is not this, this isn't happening in a vacuum. This isn't happening in a vacuum. What if you want to go back to 2016 when his campaign colluded and conspired with Russia to steal a 2016 election? So I, 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 he's told the Proud Boys to stand back and stand by for what? For that? For January 6th? For that? So th th he he's been consistent. In this throughout the entire campaign season and throughout the election and post-election on what was going to transpire. And so or, or what he hoped would transpire. I mean, there, there's just no arguing. There is no arguing that he is guilty. He is as guilty as the day is long. He's as guilty as sin 
of inciting right. an, insur an insurrection, of violating his constitution and presidential oath. So for me, this process, this week, this impeachment trial, this is not about Donald Trump being on trial. Donald Trump convicted himself when he allowed his narcissism to once again get the best of him and stage a rally in which he proclaimed on camera for all to see, go get him, stop the steal, go, sick him. That's what he did on, November, on January 6th. We all saw it. There's no more evidence, even though today, that 13-minute video, if you haven't seen it, watch it, share it, and, and, and listen to it and feel it. See, what I liked about it most was when Jamie Raskin put on that video, the profanity wasn't bleeped out. They showed uh, one of the insurrectionists. They showed her getting shot. Yeah. They showed an officer screaming in agony and pain as he was stuck. Uh, yep. Between a door, they, they showed it was it was grimy. They showed everything. They showed it up yep. close. It was intimate. It was exactly what we needed to see, exactly what we needed to feel. Because we keep trying to sanitize it and sugarcoat it and be like, oh, let's just move on. Hey, he's out of office. He's been removed. No, he hasn't. The stench of Donald Trump remains. And for for, for people like Lindsey Graham, Michael, to want to say, well, he's our, impeachment is about removal. Guess what? He's still in power, and we see it every day. He may not be the president, but he's still in power. And so this is about removal. But what this, and this is about right and wrong, not left and right. And I pray, even though there was already something of a signal being sent, because I believe there wasn't already a vote about the constitutionality of it. There was a vote uh, a week or so ago about whether or not to debate the constitutionality then or today. So they're debating it today. They'll vote on that today. And that will pass. Um, I'm, I'm praying that when it comes time to convict, this evidence is overwhelming enough for them to say, hey, I'm, this is right and wrong, not left and right. Because we've seen over and over that they'll turn a blind eye to, to pictures like this, to overwhelming evidence like this, in the name of blind loyalty to their leader, to their cult leader. Uh, I, I'm praying that, that this is not a foregone conclusion that he's going to be acquitted. I, I think it's, as an aside, I, I think it's quite funny that these folks talk about big tech so much, but every time you see these, this, see this footage, you see iPhones all over the place. Latest, latest iPhones, they, they always record it. Oh, but big tech is a problem. But anyway, uh, that's just that's just an aside. Yeah. I, I feel like Mike, I need to have uh, what would we like twenty plus years past the miseducation of Lauren Hill, and, and at the beginning of that, remember that uh, that that CD CD. That's how long ago it was. I, li I like to say album. <laughs> quite frankly, I'm an album guy. The beginning of that album, you hear somebody saying, Lauren Hill, Lauren Hill, Lauren Hill, then it stops. Like she's not around. She's being re-educated. I feel like this is the re-education of Michael Holly, this this time, this period, uh, the last four to five years. I've told you before, I say it now, I'm not ashamed to admit it. Uh, very politically naive. A political fan my entire life, but politically naive in that. I've always leaned toward the best interest of people. I've always leaned toward common sense. That, that, that the America, this is one of the things about the American people. American people will not stand for it collectively. Collectively, our common sense will prevail over uh, the extremes. And so the extremists will not win because we just got too much collective common sense. I'm not talking about books. Just common sense will prevail. 
How wrong? How foolish? How stupid? I'll say it. How stupid? Because if you look at this situation right here, clearly the election was not stolen. You knew, like Donald, as you said earlier, Donald Trump is already telling you, hey, I, I'm, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go down. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go to, it's going to be a hook and go. I'm going to go hook and go. That's what I'm going to do. And then he runs the hook and go. I'm not going to, I'm not trying to confuse you. This is what I'm going to do. And this is what I'm going to say. And he said it. And I'm not even talking about him because I know what he is. I know exactly what he is. I got it. Figured it out. What I'm wondering is, what the hell is wrong with everybody else when you know what he is and you know what he's doing and you look the other way? You say you're not that, you're not that, but you're still buying in. So this is where I, this is where I really want to get to. This is where common sense, this is the breakdown of common sense. We're here today because America has had a collective breakdown of common sense. Part, a, a vast majority of Americans have lost their common sense. Let me tell you why. Donald Trump, when he took over as president of the United States, told you by his actions and his words, it was very important for him to stack the courts, right? So he got some Supreme Court openings and he stacked the Supreme Court the way he wanted to stack the Supreme Court. But that was a high, those are the high profile cases. We weren't all paying attention to the federal courts, that he did a great job, I'll give him credit, he did a great job of filling the federal courts with Trump appointees. These are people who agree with him. So he has people who agree with him all over the courts. He has people who agree with him in his administration, obviously, in the Justice Department. He has been able to get his people in place. Yet, when his own people told him that the election was not stolen. He pushed him aside when the courts told him that he didn't have a case. And if you think the election is stolen, why don't you, why don't you, uh, why don't you write something up? Why don't you file a report? Why don't you file a case? And he didn't do it. Didn't, shouldn't that tell you that even his own people, his own appointees wouldn't agree with what he said. And yet people still they still believe it was stolen. It blows my mind, Mike. What happened to people? I don't know. This is not about politics. Sense? Well, that's why I was saying. It's not about politics. You said common I don't even care about the politics. I don't even care about the politics. I don't care about the politics of it. Like, if you, 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 you feel what you want to feel. You're, if you're a fiscal conservative, you're a big government, small government, all that stuff. You're pro-military, you're pro-guns. I don't care what you are. I don't care about that. What I care about is you're not even, you're in the, you're trying to win the de democratic process without believing in democracy. How does that make sense? That's the irony of the situation. Like, they're debating today the constitutionality of this trial. When these thugs, these animals, these animals, again, like, let me, let, me, let me take you behind the curtain for a second, all right? We're showing you select clips of the 13-minute video that Jamie Raskin aired for the Senate today, the one that's online. The reason we are is because there's a lot of cussing in it. I don't give a damn. But we like getting checks around here. 
And we got certain rules we got to <laughs> apply and we got to abide by. So we're not showing you the whole thing. Right. But you need to see the whole thing. You need to see how graphic, you need to see how bad this got. This is, we're, this is a mirror being held up to America. So when I say Trump ain't on trial, because we all saw her and know what Trump did. We know he's behind this. They, they said in the video, we're listening to Trump. They, we all know that. The GOP's on right. trial, and those Americans that you're speaking about, they're on trial right now because, okay, all of that happened. We know where we are. How are we going to move forward is, is where we have an opportunity. We have one last opportunity, again, to, to, to choose between right and wrong versus left and right. This is the last. You got one more chance, GOP. You got one more chance to say mm. that instead of debating the constitutionality of this proceeding, to understand, you mentioned the irony earlier of, of big tech and iPhones. The irony that you're talking about constitutionality when a duly elected president based on the Constitution and a constitutionally approved and sanctioned seat, uh, uh, process of counting electoral votes was being undermined, was being attacked by those thugs and those animals. So the Constitution was working until they stepped in. Right. Michael, I want to I got right. a quick note real quick from Twitter. Check this out. So Trump's defense lawyer, Bruce Castor, who I mentioned, he introduced himself as the lead prosecutor. He laughed and corrected himself. Uh, but, I, you know, sometimes they have Freudian slips here. Because this is an open and shut case as far as I'm concerned. As far as anybody with any shred of common sense and common decency is concerned. So I believe it needs, what, 17 Republicans to side with Democrats in order to convict. And then they have to vote on whether or not he's eligible to run for office in the future, which is the most important thing. Talk about removal, remove him from power, remove him from our public, our, our, our politics in general, as best we can. He doesn't believe. Michael, but just he, he how, doesn't believe in our people. He doesn't believe to, in our politics. He doesn't believe in democracy. I'm not talking about him. I'm talking about what the GOP can do. I'm not. Trump is right. who he is. These people who you're talking about, right. they are who they are. And I know they represent constituents yep. who believe everything you're talking about, Michael. They represent. They're there doing the bidding of the people you're you're talking about. I, I get that. I'm just hoping there that there's a con there's, there's enough of a conscience right in 17 Republican senators to do the right thing for once. Not the far right thing, but the right thing for once. They won't. And say, you know what? We're, you know, I know, I know, and I, and I, and I, I can talk to them, I'm, I'm blue in the face and I'm preaching to the choir, but it's like, how many people had to die is what I want to know. Like, our democracy is already on life support. Our union is in critical condition. But how many people had to die that day for them not to just want to move on and turn the page and say, well, he's done. Let's, let's let bygones be bygones. How many people had to die? Did they actually have to succeed you know, in hanging Mike Pence? Did they have to get AOC yeah. and Nancy Pelosi? Would, 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 that have, would that have elevated the, serious of the seriousness of the situation for them to actually move to convict him for what he clearly did? instead of hiding behind the fact that he's a former president? I mean, don't insult our intelligence. You've insulted, insulted our sensibilities enough as it is. Please don't insult our intelligence by suggesting that, that the fact that now since he's gone, even though he was impeached in office, and, he, and all this took place while he was still in office, that now that he's gone, we should just move on as he has into the private sector. Come on now. There, right. there are a lot Come of on. things, Mike, Mike Smith, there are a lot of things worth worse than January 6th. From, from, from his mind, from his imagination. Like, it was inevitable. January 6th was inevitable. And, and, and thank God that uh, it didn't happen 
on election night. I still say, I still say the worst thing, I'm not going to say ever, because that, that's for the historians. We'll, we'll, we'll let, we'll let uh, John Meacham uh, handle that one. Let, let the presidential historians, Doris Kearns, good one, kind of break this down. But the worst thing I've seen in my lifetime, let's call it that, from the White House was election night. Technically the next morning, around 2.30 in the morning, Donald Trump comes out on election night and says, um, we were winning. And all of a sudden, <laughs> our lead went away. Uh, we the were going to win this election. <laughs> frankly, <laughs> frankly, I won the election. He says, yeah. I won the election. And his son is there. His wife is there. His kids are there. His supporters are there. And they start applauding. That was the worst thing. That's the worst thing any American president has ever done. First of all, you shouldn't be having that event at the White House. Shouldn't be at the White House in the first place. It's a campaign event. You shouldn't be there. That's one. Number two, everybody else in 224 years of, of U.S. electoral uh, politics, of presidential politics, everybody else has said, okay, all right, it was a fair election. I lost. Congratulations. Let's keep this Democratic thing going. Let's see how far it can take me, this Democratic thing. To paraphrase Chris Rock, Donald Trump is the only one, only one who decided that all of a sudden um, it, that, that, that the voting systems don't work and he's got to find votes in Georgia, which is on its like 17th. Was there a recount? Was there another recount in Georgia today? What are we doing here? Because most people... What are we most, doing? Because most presidents, most of, his, most of his predecessors, for the most part, if not all of them, for the most part, I mean, we can get specific, but for the most part, the reason why they... Look, this country is nothing. This country's system of government is nothing without the peaceful transfer of power. It's what, every, it's what this whole show was built on. And everybody else, like you just said, went along with it. Because they actually, as much as he likes to say country first and America first, they actually he doesn't believe it. it. He doesn't he believe it. believed it. It was a marketing, it was a marketing slogan for him. Un-American. It was a marketing, it was a marketing slogan for him. That's all it was. Like he only cared about himself, still only cares about himself, continued to perpetuate the lie after the darkest day since the Civil War, if not in this country's history. Because at least the Civil War, and, and understand what, I'm, what I mean when I say this, at least you could understand the root of the Civil War. This is as evil as, as that root is and was, mm -hmm. and as much as we continue to suffer from that evil. This was all a bunch of lies from a madman who right. just wouldn't go along with the rules that have already been laid out. The reason that they said about it's unconstitutional, you know why it's well, why, unconstitutional? How about everybody else too, because though? Why, not, why, it's why, about, unprecedented. why did everybody else around us It's unprecedented. Because it it's convenient, because it's comfortable, because he is nothing. And, and we, we're, we're fixated on Trump. And many, we have talked about it. Many of us have talked about it. Many people have talked about it. We're fixated on Trump. He's not the disease, he's a symptom. And this is just, all this has done is just brought America's true self to the surface. This is America wiping the makeup off. That's what Donald Trump was, fittingly enough. Reality star. Right. This is America wiping the makeup off.
And this, this, this is who we are. And like I said, 2016 was who we are. 2020 is who we choose to be. 2020, 2021 is who we choose to be. And again, GOP, it's like, if you want to, if, if, if you can, you can, you can co-sign, you can retweet, you can like, you can endorse what happened January 6th, or you can stand up and decide this isn't, this isn't our, this isn't the guy we want dominating the party because if they don't remove him from office or excuse me, if they don't remove him from power, if they don't, if they don't eliminate his ability to run for office in the future, they got, that's a, that's a very uncomfortable bed. They're going to continue to sleep in. We're going to, I know we're, I know, and, and it's going to get worse before it gets better. I know we're a little bit late, a little bit late. Let me just add this. Yeah. No, you got it. Um, in my in my re-education, my optimism is going to have to go down a bit. <laughs> uh, I'll always have hope, but my optimism, I've had too much optimism. I'm good with my hope, too much optimism. So I'm going to tell you this. Uh, it is not optimistic at all. You're not going to get what you want. You're not going to get the uh, right and wrong. You, you, you're going to get right over left. Left and right. I'm going to get left and right. You're going to get that. I know. And I know. that's because the politicians, the politicians may believe it. I, I'm not, I'm not going to let them off the hook. They may, they may believe it, but their constituents believe it more. They believe it more. Go, that's yeah. why. That's oh, why Ben as, says. Ask Liz Cheney. Ask Liz Cheney hey, how it feels to go to go against to go well, on principle you, versus party. I'm gonna get to her in oh, a second. Absolutely, it's uncomfortable. That's why Ben yeah. says had to put out a video going on and saying, "Hey, this is not conservative. This is not conservative." And I, I, I watched this video. I listened to him. He made perfect mm -hmm. sense. But hey, 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 Ben. Hey, come over to my re-education party. It's not about common sense anymore. Common sense is a weakness. That's a weakness in today's politics. People don't care. Now, if you were, if you're saying it, if you're telling the truth and you happen to be center, uh, political, in the political center, or let's say you're on the political left, slightly to the political left, it doesn't matter what you say. Nobody's going to listen to you. This is about uh, battle lines. So they don't want you. They don't want you to compromise. They don't want you to talk to anybody yeah. who's a Democrat. This is what the people want. The politicians are mm -hmm. learning that, and that's why they are they are doing everything that they can to hold on to their jobs. And how do they hold on to their jobs? They're listening to their constituents. And Liz Cheney, it doesn't matter. Now, this not even con There's nothing controversial about what Liz Cheney did. And, and, and they're acting like, like she killed somebody. But like she's this traitor. is what she's finding out. <laughs> Like she, What's that? No, like she's the traitor. Look, let, no, I said acting like yeah. she's the traitor. Look, we got to go to break, um, and I, I, I want to listen in on whatever BS this cat is trying to spew to argue against the constitutionality of this this trial. But man, like, no, you're right. They're politicians at the end of the day. They are opportunists. They're self-preservation. Trying to hold they're on. They're gonna be contortionists this week. They're gonna be contortionists this week. I cannot wait to just listen in here and laugh to keep from crying and how they bend over backwards. To protect their uh, protect their former boss. It'll be one thing, right. Mike. We'll it'll be it'll, it'll be one it'll be one talking point. They'll hold on to the talking point after the election was the media can't decide who the next president is. The people decide. Until the people decide something we don't want, then we'll change that storyline. It'll be one storyline. It'll be one message. Just wait for it. Same talking point over and over. You hear it.
Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. All right, big dog. Um, I'm still this, uh, hot, man. This, I'm still hot. Right go up. ahead, go ahead. Step right up. There's a, there's a. We're gonna pivot. Um, we're gonna, we're gonna yeah. talk about a, a big sports story um, that is uh, developing as we speak. Uh, Russell Wilson is now in the. It's his turn to to get on this ride. It's, step right up, Russell Wilson. Your turn on the uh, QB carousel speculation ride the Russell Wilson watch begins um and it's not we're not pulling it out of thin air it's not quite Aaron Rodgers after the NFC title game saying his futures in question um because Russell on the other hand is kind of gaslighting it just a little bit subtly so over the last couple of days Michael you may have seen these uh, a variety of, of headlines right so it was it started with um that the Seahawks have received calls uh, per NFL media about a trade of Russell Wilson. No right. chance they would trade him, but people are calling. I'm like, okay, wow, I thought it was crazy for the Lions uh, to ask for Aaron Donald from the Rams for Matthew Stafford. Don't say no people chance, are actually calling about Russell Wilson. Don't say no chance. No, this is what the report said. No, okay. this is what the report said. I'm I was telling you what say. the report said. I'm not saying there's no a chance. chance. I'm telling you what the report said. The report said that there's no chance that Seattle would trade him. Then, Russell Wilson, according to Jason LaConfora at CBS, uh, is frustrated because uh, he's been sacked uh, almost 400 times. Um, and so then, Russ goes on our man Dan Patrick show just this afternoon. And uh, let's just say he didn't exactly diffuse the situation. Check it out. How much input should the quarterback have? in organizational moves, veteran quarterback? Yeah, I think it depends on who it is. You know, I think, well, how about you, know. you? How much do you have any say in what Seattle does offensively with free agents or draft, draft picks? 
Uh, <laughs> uh, I think that it's, uh, you know, I, I think that ultimately for me personally, I, you know, I think that I want to be able to ha be involved because at the end of the day, it's your legacy. It's your team's legacy. It's, you know, it's the guys you get to go into the huddle with. And at the end of the day, those guys, you got to trust, you know, when you think about, you know, one of the reasons why Tom went to Tampa was because he, he felt like he could trust those guys and Bruce was going to give him the opportunity. I think, I think for, you know, every situation, you have to be able to go into a situation, you know, you think about guys like LeBron, he was able to, you know, be around great players that he can trust. I think for, for me, you know, uh, anytime you bring free agents in, you know, are the players, you want the best players, guys who love the game, guys you want to be a part of that. And as a player, you kind of know that you get to be around pro bowls, you get to kind of see these guys, you get to be in the huddle with the linemen or, or receivers, or, you know, um, get to be around defensive guys. And so you kind of, you kind of build that over time and get to see who can really play, you know, as a player, you really know. So I think that, um, I think that relationship is really key and that dialogue between, you know, um, you know, especially being a veteran player, you, you know, that dialogue is really important. Yeah, but that's a long-winded way of not answering my question. Are you involved in personnel decisions? Have you been involved in personnel decisions? Not, not as much. I don't, you know, I think that, uh, you know, for, do you for me, want to be involved, Russ? Yeah, I, I think it helps. I think it helps to, to, to be involved more. Um, but I think that's that dialogue should, should happen more often in my opinion. That's surprising. Cause I would think that somebody of Russell Wilson stature would be involved, uh, to some extent. Not necessarily picking the players, not necessarily shopping for the groceries, but yeah, to some like at least at least uh, in the loop, if not consulted, but at least in the loop, you know, within reason. He said more because Dan Patrick Brady also wasn't. asked him. Uh, Brady wasn't, by the way. Okay. Um, so, I mean, okay. you talk about the best. Maybe maybe he should have maybe he should have been too. Um, but we got. I want to play the other side, which is um, of. Dan asking him about specifically about people calling about a trade. And I believe Russell Wilson has a no trade clause. So here was his response to uh, Dan asking about a trade. Okay, I guess we don't have that. All right. Well, Dan Patrick asked uh, about the trade uh, rumors. And Russ said, oh, uh, well, yes, the Seahawks question. He said, that's the Seahawks question. Um, so. But you, you, you were pretty matter-of-fact a minute ago when you said that Brady uh, never had it and, and you, you don't necessarily think Russ should. I, I think we're in a different day and age, Mike. I think, I think whether it's Deshaun Maybe. Watson and I think what you saw with Brady in Tampa, you know, I think people are waking up. And listen, Peyton Manning had it. All right, Maybe Brady didn't, but Peyton did. I mean, Peyton, no, it's didn't. not unprecedented no, no, Peyton, for a quarterback to have a— Peyton didn't have it. He had it the second. So I think this is what happens. I think this is the way you get it. And this is how Deshaun Watson's going to get it. This is how Russell Wilson's going to get it and anybody else. You have to leave. That like you're just not suddenly going to get it in the place that you never had Wait, it before. Peyton had it in so, Indianapolis. Peyton no, had it not. in Indianapolis. No, he didn't. Bill Polian. No, he didn't, Mike. Bill po No, he didn't. Okay, we're just going to have to agree to disagree. Bill Polian okay. and Tony Dungy did not unilaterally make personnel decisions. Again, there's a difference between, hey, Peyton, do we have your permission or your blessing to do this or either incorporating Peyton in conversation or at minimum keeping Peyton in mind when it comes to how you're constructing the roster? Peyton Manning you mean to tell me, some you mean say to tell me they in said, the organization. We're going to draft. I, hey, do you think we should draft Joseph Adai? Do you think we should draft Dallas Clark? 
Uh, how do you feel uh, about this guy? We're gonna. Hey, do you think we should take a linebacker in the third round, or you need another re wide receiver? Look, and, and I don't know if it case, went, Michael. Mike, I don't know if it, I don't, I'm not saying it went that deep, Michael. I'm not saying it went that deep. Okay, I'm glad you put it in those terms. I'm not being that absolute in saying that he was next to Bill Polian in the draft room, and Bill was like, "So what you think?" Which we no, not that. No, I'm not. I'm not in any way suggesting that. I'm saying that Peyton was not just some bystander. As as much as Bill Polian built the team around him. Peyton was not just some bystander that was not consulted on personnel matters. Okay, but that's fine. They gave it to Brady in Tampa. You know, like there are uh, uh, the traditionally franchise quarterbacks, and I get what you're saying about leaving and maybe somebody appreciates you more when you leave and go somewhere else and they or, want you enough to actually curry your favor that way. That's but where you no, get that authority. Franchise quarterbacks who have had a voice within the organization. Like who? Not absolute, but they've had a voice or at least, at least some consultation, like Michael. You know what I'm saying? Like who? I just named you Peyton Manning, Brett Favre, like Aaron Rodgers to some extent. I mean, it's like to some extent. Again, you're missing the qualifier yeah. here. I'm not saying that they were side by side with the general manager. Hell, I told you Deshaun can't expect to hire the general manager, can't expect to hire his own boss. I'm saying if you're Russell Wilson, a voice does not mean you make the decision or if you're any of these guys. And, and even if it hasn't been done this way, Michael, maybe it should. What does a voice point. mean? Maybe that is what the do you right think way the to do it. Of, well, tell me, well, I don't okay, know. Okay, how about like, this? Give me an example. A voice means the same thing. No, I was going to say, give me an example of how it would, uh, ideally, how it would play out. So, let's say in Russell Wilson's case, uh, John Schneider, Pete Carroll, right now, they're in, we're in February. What should they be doing to satisfy Russell Wilson when it comes to building the roster? It, uh, ideally. I'm just trying to, I'm, I'm trying to envision. That they aren't? I, I don't I don't know. I don't know. I can't I can't answer that question. I can't ask I can't tell you what Russ should want. I'm saying, and he just laid it out on Dan Patrick. I don't know if we played it there or not. I was but point being is that if he like if he's got to be in the huddle with these guys, whether it's receivers, offensive line, right. running backs, whatever, there is something to be said for for even if you okay, if you know him well enough to just consider him, there is something to be said for a dialogue. A dialogue doesn't mean he's got the final say. It's considerate when, when, because you know, you and I both know, Michael, a franchise quarterback, there's a different level. He's an extension of management. He's, an, he's not just a coach on the field, he's an extension of management. So I don't think it's too much for Russell Wilson to ask, especially somebody like Russell Wilson. And again, it's less about the fact that Brady didn't have it for me than it is that he probably should have had more of it. I mean, it, it shouldn't just stop at game plan. It shouldn't just stop at the quarterback having a meeting with the head coach or the, or the offensive coordinator talking about what's the first 15 plays. I think the right way to do yeah, it I, I is know. to consider, if not consult your quarterback. Doesn't mean they have final say. Doesn't mean you got to listen to what they say. I'm going to surprise myself. I'm surprising myself with, with how I feel about this. <laughs> this, is a, this is my real-time reaction. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm surprised by my feeling on it. And my feeling on it is, right, let's go back to Indianapolis and, and Tony Dungy and Bill Polian. My, my feeling on it is, why is Bill Polian in the Hall of Fame then? Like, if you're not going to build the Wait team, a minute, that's not fair. <laughs> I, I, no, no, no. What, I, no. what I'm saying is this. I, obviously, Bill Polian deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. That's not where I'm going. He deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. He had, had a Hall of Fame career. Great career. My point is, I'm a team builder. That's my job. My job uh, is to draft Peyton Manning. I drafted you. That was easy. I drafted you. I had the number one pick. I drafted you. Now my job as a team builder is to surround you 
with as many viable pieces as I can. That includes the head coach that I eventually got right in Tony Dungy. I didn't get it right the first time. You had Jim Mora. That wasn't a good fit, but I brought in Tony Dungy. I'm going to build a defense. I'm going to have a draft, a, 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 a draft heavy team as opposed to free agents. That's my job. Now, your job, Peyton Manning, is to take what I give you and maximize it. Get the best out of it. You can, you can boss those. You're the middle manager, as you said, Mike. You know, boss those guys around. You have uh, private meet, uh, like uh, sessions in the summer to get them together and make sure on the same page. But I don't know if I'm comfortable with, hey, Bill, what are you thinking in this offseason? Let me do my job. Or hey, hey, pay, or, hey, job. Or, hey Peyton, what are you? Th oh, okay, that, okay. That Peyton. Okay, if, if Peyton yeah. is coming to Bill, hey, Bill, what are you I'm thinking? Done. Let me do I my job, yep. man. Yep. Because okay. we're on the, ultimately, we want the same thing. But I don't know yeah. if Peyton and maybe that's Manning, what it, Michael, maybe that's what it was it, in that case. Or any, or Tom may not Brady. Have, he may not have needed to go to Bill Polian. Maybe there was like this right. trust in Hall of Fame manager, general manager Bill Polian, to know that he was going to put Edger and James and Joseph Adai and Reggie Wayne and Dallas Clark and so on and so forth around Peyton to make him successful. Uh, speaking of doing our job, we got yeah. company standing by. We got to take a break. Let's, yes, let's park this, put a pin in it, because we didn't even get to the part about uh, the actual trade speculation when it comes to Russell Wilson. So um, we'll get to that later. We'll, we'll park this for now. Talk to our esteemed guests coming up. We got a pioneer. We got a history maker. We got a trailblazer. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. All right, this is a pleasure. We have a lot of awesome guests on Brother From Another. Uh, this sister uh, takes the cake. You got the crown. Jennifer King, the uh, first black woman to be a full-time NFL coach. She is assistant running backs coach uh, for the Washington football team. Uh, she, she helped uh, with that position group last year. You were, so you, you've been a part of the organization, but it's official, official now. And uh, we can now uh, put this 
this sister's name in the pantheon with the great trailblazers in sports history and NFL history. I don't mean to lay it on too thick, but you got to understand <laughs> how excited it's we real, were when this news crossed. I mean, yeah, I mean, we were just so proud. And, and thank you so much for being here. I, I, but the thing for me, beyond the obvious, beyond the, 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 the history-making aspect of you being the first full-time black woman to coach in the NFL, um, is just the fact that you've been grinding for so long to get to this point. You know, like you've been doing so much work. This isn't, you know, this isn't some, you know, 2020, 2021 moment that just the football team decided to to just pull out of thin air. Like you've been working. Could you kind of give people an idea of your journey and what it took for you to get to this point to prove yourself worthy of this type of position, the merit that you brought to the table? Yeah, uh, thanks for having me, guys. Um, this has been a, a really long journey. You know, I think that's important to note that I didn't just pop up here in the NFL. It's been uh, years and years. You know, I've been coaching for 15 years. Um, I was a college basketball coach for 12, a head coach for two and a half. Um, you know, and then I was also coaching some football in the meantime. But, um, you know, always loved football, was successful coaching basketball and was happy and um, saw an opportunity to switch to football. And it was kind of my first love. And I was able to connect with Coach Rivera at a women's football firm put on by the NFL and, um, we built a relationship, and it kind of went from there. Hey, you talk about coaching. What is it? You've been coaching for a long time. I've always said this. You know, show me a good coach. I'll show you a good teacher. Uh, is, is that the aspect that that you know drew you to coaching? Just the opportunity to uh, to teach, or was it something else where you looked at the field and said, "Okay, that's for me." Yeah, I think coaching for me was just a natural, uh, you know, progression from playing. You know, I was an athlete my whole life and sports were my life. And I, I really couldn't see myself doing anything other than sports long term. So I naturally kind of gravitated to coaching and, um, you know, I got an opportunity on the basketball side and really fell in love with it and, and knew that um, I wanted to stay in coaching. And then I got an opportunity to move to football and it made it really exciting. How would you uh, describe your coaching style. Michael mentioned the teaching aspect of it. Um, how would, what, what kind of coach is Jennifer King? Uh, I think I'm kind of laid back. You know, I, I do a, I think I do a good job building relationships with everybody. And that's, that's important because you know how to communicate with people and their best way of learning. So um, I'm kind of the chill coach. You know, I work with Randy uh, Jordan, who's also running back coach here in Washington. Randy's high energy, you know, so I feel like I kind of balance this out uh, being the chill coach. <laughs> So you good cop? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's cool. So I, I, I'm sure a lot of people are wondering. Okay, what's this like? You are a, a woman in a male-dominated, like a strongly male-dominant, not just industry, uh, when it comes to football, but the NFL, uh, the highest level. And, and you are one of just a few women that you see around, whether it's on the coaching staff, uh, officials, training staff, even in media. So what is that like for you? And how do you even uh, deal with that before you get to doing your job? I mean, because there, <laughs> there are some obstacles that you have to get, get to before you can say, all right, here we go. This is what we have on the agenda for today. Yeah, you know what? I've been super fortunate. All the spots that I, I've worked, uh, you know, with the hot shots out of Arizona and Carolina and Dartmouth, um, I've been around great guys. You know, our staff have been awesome. The players have been awesome. And I quickly learned when I got to the NFL and even working at Dartmouth, 
you know, players only good players want to be coached and they don't really care who you are, you know, as long as you can help them get better. And that was something that I really focused on. And um, that's why I think it's so important to really, you know, know what you're doing and know what you're talking about. Because at the end of the day, it's all about making them better and, and having them perform on Sunday. So, you know, I, I kind of forget sometimes that I'm the only female around just because no one really makes a big deal about it. And, you know, I'm just kind of uh, out hmm. there as one of the coaches. Nobody's made a big you know, deal about it. And you said you've been around. Yeah, go ahead, Mike. Guys, yeah. have you ever had to have a talk with someone who did make a big deal about it? And, and mm -hmm. if so, how did you handle uh, that situation? Uh, actually, I haven't, you know, which is kind of crazy. Um, you know, in my experiences and being, a, and I've worked for four different teams now and, and still to have only positive experiences. Um, you know, I think when, when you walk in, that's one of the things I learned in Carolina when I first went there. I, w I walked in with a certain confidence, you know, kind of with my head up and chest out. Um, and I think, you know, I've walked into every situation that way. And I think that's helped a lot, you know, because we all know in the sports business, you know, the wheat get eaten. And, you know, I walked in with confidence. And I think that helped a lot to kind of set the tone, um, just the kind of person I was. Yeah, Michael, the, the perfect follow because I was thinking the same thing. That's, that's refreshing and, and actually relieving to hear. Because unfortunately, even those of us who have been around sports for the majority of our lives maybe do fall uh, victim to stereotypes and thinking that maybe there was a moment or, or several where you had to somehow uh, lay down the law or, or prove that you belonged or, or win them over or something like that. And I think maybe that does a disservice or kind of discredit the maturity, frankly. Um, and like you said, the coachability. Uh, of, of these athletes, you know, that they're, that, you know, even maybe even thinking that there was some, that this, maybe even assuming, Jennifer, that this was hard for, for you, plays into this idea that they're Neanderthals when actually they're professionals who just want to be made better. And when you do that, it doesn't matter woman, man, you know, uh, white, black, young, old, a coach is a coach and, and these players just want to be made better. So it's a testament to you, but it also seems like it's a testament to them. them. It's really nice to hear that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's, that's one of the special things about my journey. It's just been the, the great people I've worked with and the, the players that I've coached. You know, we still keep in contact uh, with each other. Teams that, you know, I first coached out of Arizona with the Hot Shots. We still have an active group chat from two years ago that we still keep in touch with each other. So it's super cool to, to build those relationships. You know, your, your so I got a follow this now. year. Because I got a quick follow. Go ahead, go ahead Mike. Go ahead, Sorry, go ahead. I got a quick follow. Because so and I think we saw this with Tampa Bay. I mean, there's the most diverse staff in the league, and, and the Washington football team is not far behind, but, but Tampa's entire staff is black, black men and women. It's, a, it's just it's an incredible uh, mosaic, if you will, uh, and, a, and an example of, of, of how successful you could be being a diverse staff. But as we know, there seems to be something of a disconnect uh, between the head coach level, the locker room level, and ownership and upper management, specifically when it comes to head coaches. Won't ask you to solve that problem sitting here, Jennifer, but I would be curious as to how you felt watching both Tampa and Kansas City square off with Leftwich and Bienemy, respectively, as offensive coordinators, the job Todd Bowles did as defensive coordinator, and again, the staff that, that Bruce Arians in particular has assembled um, at the coordinator level and the assistant coach level. What did that mean for you uh, as, as somebody in these trenches to see them succeed on the highest level? It was a beautiful moment, I thought, for, for the league. You know, um, you know, I'm no, you know, I definitely think diversity wins. And to see that, 
and see those coaches in, in coordinator positions, um, you know, it, it's really special to see that, just to see, you know, how far we've come. And obviously we still have a long ways to go, but I feel like there's progress. And, um, you know, these coaches are, are fantastic and doing fantastic jobs. And I really hope they get their opportunity to lead the team, you know, if that's what they want to do. You know, just looking at your team this year, looking at the Washington football team, uh, it was not a great start to the season. There was some adversity uh, that your team had to deal with. You wind up winning the NFC East and uh, taking on the eventual Super Bowl champs in the playoffs. Uh, just for your position group, uh, you could, we could start there and then go to the team in general. But just with your group, from the start you had to the finish that you had, what are you most proud of? I'm going to ask you to brag on yourself just a little bit. What are you most proud of from a coaching perspective that you were able to communicate to those guys and they were able to take it to the field? I think I'm most proud of the growth that we showed. You know, we had a, a very young group. We have a very young team, but uh, everyone bought into Coach Rivera's idea of the change in culture that we had. And it was, it was really cool to see, you know, that buy-in happen. And, and once that started happening, we started having some success on the field. And, I think we have a group of guys that care for each other and play for each other. And, um, you know, that was special to be a part of that run that we made. You know, we started slow, but, you know, we had to come together. We didn't have off-season programming or, or anything, um, you know, face-to-face. -face. It was all virtual. So to, to see the buy-in that everyone had was really special. And, and it was no, no different in our group. You know, we really learned how to be professionals and prepare like professionals. And um, I think that the wins were a result of that. I don't want to. I'm just going to go just in, just in it. Oh, go ahead, Michael. No, no, just, just real quick. I, I should have told you, Mike. Just real yeah. quick. Um, I don't want to. This this seems way too romantic, but I'm wondering if it happened. <laughs> you lose to Tampa Bay in the playoffs, and then you walk off the field saying, "Now that team is going to win the Super Bowl." That is a tough team we just played. I mean, did you see that, or is it just like, "Hey, we lost a playoff game, and I, I felt like we we had some opportunities to win it." Uh, and we should have won it. Uh, how 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 was your view of Tampa after that game? Oh, we knew going in, you know, they were a really good team, and they were one of the hottest teams in the league going into the playoffs. Um, you know, they were really playing well heading into the playoffs, and um, you know, we knew we have our hands full with them, and, and we did. And I thought we battled like crazy, though. And that was one of the things I was super proud of our guys for was the battle. But you know, I've I've won uh, championships and been a part of the championship team, so you know that that more victory stuff isn't, don't really work for me. So, um, you know, I was disappointed. Hmm. We went out there to win. Um, and, you know, we gave it our all and we battled. We just didn't get it done. I was just going to say, look, I'm only saying this part in the interest of full disclosure, you know, because um, you're family now. And, you know what I mean? But not, this isn't directed at you. But, you know, over the years, I, I and, our, and, and maybe Michael by extension, we've had a lot of critical things to say about the organization from the name, to any number of issues. However, this year, Jennifer, I say that to say this, this year we told you during the break that our producer is a hardcore football team fan. This year between, and the latest example being you, we talk about Jason Wright, you talk about Ron Rivera beating cancer, you talk about Alex Smith, comeback player of the year, uh, Martin Mayhew now coming home. There was so much inspiration around this team. Again, you didn't finish the year like you wanted, but could you speak to just how special it was? You've known Coach Rivera for a while. How special it was to be in the company, I guess, of these fighters, and you being one of them yourself. You know, it just is a lot of feel-good stories around this team, and I want to know what that was like from the inside, because it was certainly cool to watch this.
The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Story from the outside this year. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was so special to be around, you know, all, everything that took place this year for us. And just to start with Coach Rivera, him, him battling cancer and to see him at work every day on the practice field was unbelievable, you know, and um, I can't imagine what he went through, but he was a fighter for us. And, you know, they say teams kind of take the, the attitude of their leader. And I think that's what our team did. You know, we saw him battling and, um, you know, some real life issues and we're, we're playing football and we started battling too. And, um, you know, things really turned around as far as, you know, Jason and all the other hires. Um, you know, I think our organization, we, we found good people qualify for the job. And that's why I always like to talk about, like, yes, they're, you know, they're black males. I'm a black female. Um, but they went out and, and coach found the best people he thought for those positions and, you know, really opened up the, the hiring pool to everybody and not just limiting to the kind of things that we've seen in the past. Really an example uh, for the rest of the league and, and corporations everywhere, quite honestly. So, I just want to get you out on this just to bring it full circle. Again, we, we saw, you saw our excitement in getting a chance to talk to uh, a, a history maker uh, and a trailblazer in Jennifer King. Um, I, I know you're only worried about the next practice, and I know you're probably going to go watch film as soon as you get off with us. Oh, here it is. You, you're focused on getting better every single day. I get you've it. You've gotten this question I just wonder, like, can you I for- know you've gotten this question. It, this question. You know, I'm just question. wondering if there's a moment, like, like – since, since it's happened, since the news happened, I know you've heard from a lot of people. People have come to know your name. I'm just wondering if there's a moment that stands out. If anybody texts you or tweeted you, or I know obviously number one is being on brother from another. So present company notwithstanding. <laughs> after I know being on this show is the highlight, but after that, like, what's the coolest thing that's happened since you officially uh, made history? Yeah, you know, after this, you know, second and third place. Um, you know, that to hear from Billie Jean King was a really special moment for me. And, um, you know, to get to chat with Robin Roberts was really cool on Good Morning America. But, um, yeah, it's been nice to, you know, to, to get the messages and, and the calls. It's been really nice to, to see. All right. Well, it was nice That's to great. have you. Uh, we'd love to I'm see you, you again. Don't forget us when you're offensive coordinator and then head coach. Uh, remember the little people. <laughs> Come back and kick it with us sometime. <laughs> All right, I've enjoyed it, guys. All right, appreciate All right, take it. Care. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Yeah. Jennifer King, ladies Thanks and gentlemen. Thanks for taking the time Don't for Remember the name. What do you make of uh, CBS Jason Lock and Forrest saying that Seattle had gotten, you know, calls for uh, possible, you know, uh, trade talks with you? Do you believe that, that uh, Seattle has gotten calls? Yeah, I definitely believe they've gotten calls for sure. I think that, uh, you know, I think anytime you're, um, you know, you know, uh, a player that, you know, tries to produce every week and has done it for, you know, consistently, I think people are going to call for sure. And I think it's part of the process. Yeah, but you're a franchise quarterback. You're a Hall of Fame quarterback. You're not available, are you? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm available or not. That's a, that's a Seahawks <laughs> question. But I think also, I think more than anything else is, um, 
you know, I think at the end of the day, you, you want to win. You know, you play this game every day to wake up to win. You play this game, you know, to to be the best in the world. You know, I you know what I hate? I hate sitting there watching other guys play the game. <laughs> what do you read into that, man? Here's Jason Lockenfara. There's there's object, going back to a few good men. I object. No, I strenuously object. There's frustrated, and then there's increasingly <laughs> frustrated by the Seahawks' inability to protect the eight-time Pro Bowler. Again, sacked 394 times in nine seasons. Uh, the situation warrants serious monitoring. Say no more, Jason Lockenfor. Uh, what do you what do you read into the way Russ played uh, and the way he danced in the pocket on Dan Patrick there? I don't think he wants to leave. I don't think he wants to leave Seattle. And I think he, he sounds like a guy who's pretty aware of what happens in the NFL. He said, yeah, am I available? Yeah, that's a Seahawks question. Would they make me available? Sure, because I produce. Um, I, and and I, don't, I don't want to sit here and watch uh, teams win championships. But I don't get the sense that, you know, based on what I see from Seattle, I don't get the sense that they are kind of just getting by. If he's frustrated with the Seahawks, I guess maybe this would be a little different. You know, most quarterbacks, you know what they want you to do, Mike? Most quarterbacks want you to go out and get more receivers and backs and tight ends. If he's frustrated with them, maybe he wants them to invest in the offensive line. <laughs> like, you know, do what Tampa did this year. Their first round pick, they drafted a tackle. Maybe we need to uh, start drafting more on the offensive line instead of just kind of piecemealing this thing. But they haven't even done that either. I mean, they brought in Dwayne Brown. They gave up some real capital for him a couple of years ago. I, I don't know. But I don't get the sense, just based on what I'm hearing from Russell Wilson, I don't get the sense that he wants to leave. What do you think? I'm going to just go off what I didn't hear. So I'm going I'm to I'm go ahead. I'm fine. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and feed into this. Why not? Why not? Okay. Um, I want to play, play the end of the interview. I want to play the end of the Dan Patrick interview. And I noticed something. Check this out. Good to talk to you. Have a good offseason. And uh, we'll stay in touch and tell your wife I said hello. Okay, boss. I'll, I'll, good seeing you, man. That's... My glove. See you later, bud. Whoa. All right. Bye to McLovin. You know what I didn't hear? No. You know what I didn't hear? Didn't hear go Hawks. Didn't hear go Hawks. Which is the equivalent of going into the club without your wedding ring on. Could you have forgotten oh, it? Maybe. Maybe. Come on. On the other hand, that's only at the maybe you That's only it press conferences, right? Hey man. See, in I have every never, interview with that? Okay. This listen, I might be reaching, and I'm sure Seahawks fans will let me know if I am. I have never heard Russell Wilson do an interview where he didn't sign off. Go Hawks. Never heard it. Now. Because he didn't say it in this setting, in this interview, maybe it slipped his mind, maybe it means nothing, maybe he just forgot. And even if he did do it intentionally, doesn't mean he wants to be traded, no. But what I think is clear, when you put all these pieces together, the, the increasingly frustrated, the way he answered or didn't answer Dan Patrick's question, as the case may be, mm -hmm. I mean, he answered them, but, you know, he didn't exactly uh, say there's nothing to see here. I think, he's just, I think he's restless. I think he just wants to see something happen. Michael, I know it feels like yesterday. But for Tom Brady, it was, I believe, three Super Bowls ago, three Super Bowl victories ago. <laughs> it was three Super Bowl victories ago since 2014. 49. Like, Russell, Russell Bowl 49. Russell, 
Yeah, Super Bowl 49. Uh, if you so we are just got back, we just got Russell Wilson. If you're Russell Wilson and you're at, just like Tom Brady said last year, I'm not wearing a blazer next year. And he spoke to this in the interview. I watched the whole interview. I mean, he's there getting a man of the year award, which, by the way, there is no higher honor. Congratulations. I mean, Russell Wilson continues to win at life. NFL man of the year. He and Sierra on the cover of GQ. Beautiful company, a couple, excuse me, beautiful couple, beautiful family. He's doing his thing. But if you're Russell Wilson and you're seeing, you're one of the highest rated quarterbacks of all time, okay? Um, the beginning of this season, there's the cover, just beautiful. The beginning of this season, we were talking about uh, him finally getting so much of a, as an MVP vote, okay? Uh, which he ended up not being in the running, he ended up falling off as the year went on. Like, now you look at going into this game, Patrick Mahomes was the GOAT in the making. Tom Brady is completely separating himself in the GOAT conversation. Aaron Rodgers has got another MVP. Your biological clock at 32 years old is ticking if you're Russell Wilson. And so I get... Um, He's the fourth highest rated passer of all time. I just wanted to get that right. If I'm all Russell right. Wilson, it's like, wait, I should be, that should be me. That should be me. I should be out there playing in this game. It's like he said. I'm not saying anything he didn't, he didn't uh, intimate. That should be me. I should be in the GOAT conversations. Like, it's been a long time since Malcolm Butler, and I ain't got, I ain't got back to the Super Bowl. And so you said you don't think he wants out. I don't think he cares. No. I don't think he's so tethered and tied to Seattle to where it's like, no, I want to finish my career here. Like, and it may not be something that happens this offseason, but the clock is ticking on that relationship or else I could see him. Now they got, they could tag him and they could play that game and, and retain his rights. And they could, you know, I, I not saying it's, it's imminent or definitive that he leaves. Yeah. But from what I'm hearing and reading and just based on just being around the block a few times, I see a guy who's restless. I see a guy who is well, tired of okay. going home in the divisional round at best. I see a guy right, who, who wants to do something. We got to do something here, guys. I got you. I ain't got all day. I ain't got. I want to play till I'm 45. I'm getting beat up. Yeah, I hold the ball a long time sometimes. I'm getting beat up. We're not. We're not getting deep into the playoffs. I haven't sniffed the Super Bowl since 49. It's like, hey, like, I mean, we gotta. What, what are we doing here? What are we doing? Schottenheimer out is is is, is, is not enough for me. I need. I need to see something. You know. I get it. Well, I get where he's coming from. I, I would say this. I get it, but I don't. I really don't. I. I don't. I don't know what the alternative is outside of Seattle. And I, I, I'll tell you why. <clears throat> We've said a lot of things about Tom Brady in the last uh, couple of weeks. One thing we haven't said, because we have so much respect for him, is we haven't said he's lucky. Now, I'm not talking about on the field. He works hard, and there's a reason. You know, he studies, uh, and he's talented. So there's a reason uh, Tom Brady at 43 is still a, a really good quarterback in the NFL and a championship quarterback. But Tom Brady is lucky that he had a place like Tampa that was waiting for him. I mean, how many teams are a Tom Brady actually, I did say plus that. additions <laughs> I actually, away I actually from did use that word. <laughs> what's that? I did use that word. I did. No, you say what? we haven't said. No, I did say he was lucky, both in New England oh, and lucky? in Tampa. Like there is okay. I'm not, and I said there's nothing wrong with that. That's not that's not an insult. Well, well, I'm not talking about. And maybe you say he's lucky. I'm thinking he's lucky off the field. I don't think he's lucky on the field. I think he's lucky off the field. Well, he was lucky with the, the Tuck rule. Anyway, um, Tampa Bay seven and nine last year, 
And one of their biggest problems was the quarterback who threw 30 interceptions. They removed the quarterback. They bring in Tom right. Brady. They draft the tackle, as I mentioned. He, he, he gets Gronk out of retirement. Leonard Fournette All came comes on. You know, he's got Antonio Brown comes in. But the defense, look, you talk about the defense and how the defense won. Had Devin White, that had nothing to do with Tom Brady. Uh, nope. there's their secondary didn't have anybody new in the secondary Shaq Barrett was there Levante David all those guys were there before Tom Brady so how many teams are constructed that way where they are a Russell Wilson in additions away from getting to the Super Bowl my point is Seattle is Seattle clearly not as good as Tampa but a lot uh, but a lot better than Tampa of 2019 a lot better Mm-hmm. So you you your best chance of getting to the Super Bowl is probably staying where you are. I can't imagine where New Orleans. Does he go to New Orleans to replace Drew Brees, and now they're in the Super Bowl? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Going to that dome team? I'm just playing. I'm just playing. <laughs> I, I, so I, I don't know, man. I think he. You, uh, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding, but not. I'm kidding, but not. No, but it goes back to listen. I, I said it's not. We all, there's a. There's a running theme that you and I have had lately, whether it's the Patrick Mahomes v. Deshaun Watson conversation, whether it's GOAT conversations, or I think Tom Brady, there is some good fortune. You know, luck has a negative connotation. I don't know why, because it's the good fortune to have an option in Tampa that was basically just a quarterback away, and not just that, the right guy stayed healthy, uh, the talent was there, you got some breaks along the way. Uh, that's all part of people's legacies. And um, Russell spoke about that on a Dan Patrick show. So, like, listen, there are there are legacies involved here. And he's specifically talking about his own. Like, if you're Russell Wilson, like, he said, hey, nobody's going to give me the excuse when it's all said and done, and I and I and there's nothing left to say or do. When all is said and done, and there's nothing left to say or do, nobody's going to say. Well, you know, maybe John Schneider and Pete Carroll could have done a little bit more in this area of personnel. Maybe they could have protected him better. Maybe it could have been a different offensive system that less, let Russ cook earlier or more often or more consistently, whatever. They're going to say that. They're going to say Russell Wilson went to the Super Bowl twice, and the last time he went, threw an interception at the one-yard line because he didn't give it to Marshawn Lynch. He was great, but, hey, he only won, he only won one Super Bowl. I get, I get his restlessness, and I get, as Jason Lockin for cited, his increasing level of frustration. I get it. I don't get his restlessness. I was just thinking I was just thinking that that Mike and you know, I love I don't know if you know this. I love Russell Wilson. Who does as a matter of fact, one of the things that I want to uh, publicly do. (laughs) Why am I doing that? Because in 2012 as early as 2012, I've been hating on Andrew Luck for a long time. By the way, I'm a long time. I mean, oh, nine-year Andrew Luck hater. It hasn't stopped. Hasn't so in stopped. 2012, you do it on even in retirement. Man always. can't go about his business without you hating on him. That's right. <laughs> hey, hey, man, I'm retired, man. Leave me out of your like, – keep my name out your mouth. That's what he said. Keep your name out your mouth, right? Um, as early as 2012, I said, you know who's going to have a better career than Andrew Luck is Russell Wilson. I said, I think he's a better quarterback. Like, especially like 13 and 14. I was like, Russell Wilson is a better quarterback than Andrew Luck. People are like, oh, you're crazy. Anyway, so I, I've, been on, I've been on Russell's train for a long time. 
But what I don't like to do, what I don't like to hear is a player in his early 30s talking about his legacy if he doesn't plan to retire. What are you doing? I don't care about your legacy right now, and neither should you. You're the quarterback of the Seattle Seahawks, and you're trying to get the team back to championship contention, and they're not that far out of it. You want a division. What do you mean? Mm -hmm. oh, oh, at the end of the day, my legacy. Who cares about your legacy? Why are you thinking, why are you thinking about well, that right now? They all, they all do. They all. They do? Excuse me. They all care about it. At 32? Yes. 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 He says, I want, well, he says, I want to be involved. At the end of the day, it's refocus. your legacy, your team's legacy. It helps to Mike, be involved what's your legacy? more. The dialogue should Mike, what's your legacy? There. You think about your legacy right now? Mine? Yeah, are you Actually, thinking about your legacy? You know, why you, I, I, you not do? at this moment. Not at this moment. I, I hope this. I hope my legacy in this conversation. But no, no kidding. <laughs> not, no not, kidding. Not at this moment. But I mean, we look. We both look at our legacies every day. It's not. I'm not saying. It's, listen, man. You ain't, tomorrow ain't promised, bro. Like Russell Wilson. Again, he hasn't been back since Super Bowl 49. There are no guarantees that he's going to go back. There, he might want to play until 45. Bruh. But if he getting keep getting Bruh. sacked as much as he's getting sacked, hey. he may not make it to 40. He may not make it to 40. A, like, of course, he's just thinking a, about his a, legacy, his mortality of, right now. Right here, right here, let me see. See if I can get it. Right there, right there in the middle. There's a pot of coffee what right about there. Oh. I'm trying to say uh -huh. there's a pot of coffee right between us. And let's just spill it. Okay. Let's spill the coffee. If you're so concerned about your legacy, just put the football in the belly of Marshawn Lynch. And you got oh, two Super Bowls. Okay, he didn't call. And you got okay, back to back. Stop it. I don't want to hear okay, it. No, right. man. He didn't, no. he didn't call no. that play. No. Oh uh, my God. All right. Okay. I didn't even okay. want to derail right. the entire okay. dialogue. You didn't like call that, that play. Okay. Your legacy is your legacy. The great quarterbacks say, "No, nah, we're not doing that." Tom Brady wouldn't okay. have done that. John right. Elway wouldn't have done that. Peyton Manning wouldn't have done that. No. Oh, okay. Don't call. You're at the goal line. Aaron Rodgers one yard away. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. He did go off the field when Matt LaFleur decided to kick a field goal down eight. Okay, yeah, all right. Well, so that's stupid. Okay. Yeah, you put, now you blame, you blame, you blaming him for Marshawn Lynch? You blaming him? I, I, thought, it, I thought this was Malcolm Yeah, Malcolm. I am. He made a great play. What about He did part? make a great play. Okay. He, had, right. he had an opportunity to make a great play. He had an opportunity. Now, listen, <laughs> both things can be true. It was a great play. It was an unfortunate call. As we had Herm Edwards on uh, a, a few months ago, I, I never told you this story. One time, I was down to see you at your former employer, and uh, I was in the cafeteria uh, at, at ESPN, Great and cafeteria. I ran into Herm Edwards, and he didn't even say hi. I saw him. <laughs> he grabbed he grabbed my notebook. Coach. I had a notebook. He, coach. He grabbed my notebook coach. out of my hand, and he yeah. said... And what did he call you, Coach? Yeah, he said, look, look, Coach. Coach, what are we doing? Coach, coach, what are we doing? <laughs> he said, if you want to do that, and he starts designing this play, it was well after mm -hmm. Super Bowl 49. It bothered him profoundly. Look, I understand your legacy. You've got, you look at it this way. Tom Brady came into your neighborhood. He's a lifelong AFC guy. He came into your NFC neighborhood, first year with Tampa. He picked his guys on offense. They got hot in November and December and January, and they won the Super Bowl. And he's like, and you're like, wait a minute. What's going on? What, what, what about me? I'm sitting there with the commissioner and my wife watching this because I'm the man of the year. I get a little 
I get a little flash in the press box, and everybody's talking right. about Tom Brady. I'm bothered. Yeah, I'm Restless. sure, but Restless. Come All on. All right. Uh, we need to take a break. We're going to come back and talk about some quarterbacks that actually might be traded, maybe, depending on who you ask. As we go to break, though, it's a Seahawks question. You told me off the top, even though I didn't say it, I was reporting, I was saying what the report said. You said, don't say there's no chance. Cap situation aside, should the Seahawks even entertain the idea of trading Russell Wilson? Entertain. Should they entertain? Listen, always listen. They should. Yes. Listen. Okay. All right. I think that's a, that's a pretty big price tag for it. I mean, I wonder who what they whoever's calling. I wonder what they're saying, because that's that similar price tag to Deshaun Watson. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Now, this is getting serious, Michael Smith. You see these headlines uh, from around the NFL. Mike Florio says the Texans claim they're holding firm on Deshaun Watson. And that's the thing. Texans standing firm. And, and there are a lot of things that, there are a lot of questions that need to be asked here. One, we say the Texans are standing firm. Who's representing the Texans? Is it their new uh, rookie general manager, Nick Casario? Uh, is it uh, the guy who, the, the general manager in the shadows? That would be Jack Easterby. Uh, is it uh, Tommy Boy? <laughs> I love that nickname. I love that nickname so much. I love the movie and the nickname. Uh, Cal McNair, that's what some people derisively call him, uh, Tommy Boy. Um, so I, I wonder, or is it new coach David Culley? Is it a combination of all these people? Deshaun Watson clearly has gone to the Texans and has requested a trade. Uh, privately and publicly, they say they're not trading Deshaun Watson. They said it. Publicly, we saw that at David Culley's press conference, Mike. And then privately, according to sources, people are calling the Texans and they're being, they're getting the Heisman. No, we are not interested in trading Watson. Now, I think this is a mistake. Mm -hmm. I wonder why they are flexing on this, especially at this time of year. It's not going to change. You need to listen to grown folks. Because grown folks usually have a process. Most of the time. I'm not saying all the time. But most of the time, grown folks have a process. So if they got a, a, an issue with you and they feel like it's a legitimate issue, that thing is not usually resolved with like some kind of sweet gloss over. Let's sit down and have some tea, some sweet tea, and let's talk about this. Deshaun Watson's a grown man. It's February. The Texans have no draft picks. They need to make some moves. They got a rookie general manager and a rookie head coach, and they got a veteran quarterback, more veteran than they are, who knows what he wants to do. He wants out. And for them to continue to say they're not going to let him out, I think is a disaster and a, and a huge mistake. Um, I, yeah, if it's, if it's leverage, 
and there are conversations being had or calls being placed or offers being extended. And this is sort of like it, and we'll get to them momentarily because I think it's, there's a connection, sort of like the Eagles not liking what they're hearing so far. If this is the Texas not liking what they're hearing and just maintaining a public posture that we're not doing this, which is code for come correct or don't come at all, that's one thing. But I don't, I don't think it's football reasons because you're talking about football reasons. Honestly, mm-hmm. man, I think this is, this, is, uh, this is the ghost of Bob McNair. This is this is not letting an inmate run to prison. Mm. I, I think it's just, I think that's it. I think I think they are doing this to prove a point. And like I said, my prediction is that they're gonna cut off their nose to spite their face. They're gonna get into a stare down. They're getting into a into a a, a, a Mexican standoff <laughs> with with Deshaun Watson, and just decide, okay, you're not gonna play. We'll see. We'll see. Okay, you under contract. Okay, you want, we, we'll play hard, but they want to play hardball. When honestly, the solution is is really, really simple. It's really simple. And all it takes is just like setting pride aside and thinking practically. He's asked for a trade. Let him seek it. Okay, cool. You got permission. Go seek a trade. We're not making you any promises. We're not telling you that you're going to have a trade that you're bringing back to us that satisfies what we think is proper value, proper return, on an asset such as yourself, Deshaun, but you have our permission to go try. So hey, you know what? We messed up. We got what our bias. By, by the way, some miscommunication what, here. What does that mean? Mm. What does that mean? So if he goes and he says um, he has permission to seek a trade, that means if he goes to the Jets, David Mulligan, Jets will trade. Go for to the him. Jets, broker right. a trade. Bring us something. Bring us back an offer we can't refuse, David. Okay. Put it. Put the agent to work. Put, the, put his super agent, he has a super agent. Put David Mulligan to work. And it's like this. It's like, okay, hey, man, we messed up. We got our wires crossed, okay? Are we wasting got our time if we do that, though? And maybe, and maybe, maybe we imply the wrong thing. No, maybe. But, okay, listen, we're, try, we're trying to do better. We're trying to do better, Deshaun. That's a good question. Because you wasted your time investigating coaches and general managers because you got the impression that you're going to have a real seat at the table, a real voice when it came to the future of this franchise, to the direction of this organization. Now, maybe maybe you inferred that. Maybe we implied it. Either way, there was miscommunication. Okay, we went, we hired Nick Cesario. You found out in Mexico. You're upset. I got it. You don't think you were a true partner in this process. Let's rectify that. We'll be a partner in this process from this moment on. Okay, you have our permission to go and seek a trade. We make you no promises on whether or not we will actually trade you. But since you want to out, out of Dodge so bad, since you want away from this organization so bad, we're not going to just ignore you. We're not going to treat you like a child who's throwing a temper tantrum. We're actually going to listen to you. We're going to take you seriously, allow you and your agent to go and go to any, any team you want to go to. You have a no trade clause for crying out loud. Any team you want to go to, figure out a trade package, bring it back to us. We'll go from there. If you don't bring us back something that we like, you'll be here. Just so we're clear, we're not giving you away, but we'll at least explore it to see if there actually is a trade out there that makes us better as a football team. Far-fetched there that is. may seem, because I personally but don't believe is. that there's a trade that makes us better than having you on the team, Deshaun. That's how highly we think of you. We don't think there's a trade that makes us better than having here's a top a, five a trade quarterback. That makes you better. But if you go get a if you go get us a Herschel Walker trade. We'll gladly listen, but we're making no promises. How about that? Let's work together on this in the way that we didn't work on it before. All right? Peace, bro. Appreciate you. Talk to you later. That's the conversation. But a trade that makes them better 
A trade that makes them better is a tra is any trade because my talent my talent will ne will not necessarily be realized here cuz I don't want to be here. So if I don't want to be here no matter how talented I am uh, it doesn't matter. I don't like I don't I don't respect you. I don't like the way I don't trust you. I get so that. So you're not going to get, get and, and you know you're what? Not and you have every reason everything. to be frustrated. You have every reason to be to feel that way, and I get why you feel that way. And while I think um, Nick Casario and David Cully, I think if you give them a chance to Sean, I think if you give them a chance, we actually have a chance to turn this thing around. I know our track record to this point may not support that. So I get where your frustrations lie, and I get that it's really hard watching your contemporaries, watching your peers in the playoffs while you had this historic season on a 4-12 and 12 team. I get it. I'm as frustrated as you are. We're as frustrated as you are. This is unacceptable. This is not what we want. However, I know you're saying that, or you're intimating, that any trade is better because you won't be here. Okay, well, if that's the route you choose to go, that's fine. You do what you have to do. But in that case, we believe that there's value attached to you that even in your absence is worth holding on to you until the right trade comes along. So hopefully it doesn't come to that, Deshaun. We, we, listen, we'd love to talk this out and figure out a way to rectify this situation. But if this ship has sailed, then, I mean, I, listen, I'm not, I'm not trying to disrespect you, but you're under contract, and we are the captain of this ship. And so we're <laughs> going to decide how this is going to proceed, but we want to involve you in this process as best we can. And so go out, find a trade you're looking for, with the okay. team that you want to play for, and we'll go from there. That's the best we can you do. You know what he'll point. say to that? I mean, Bert, that's the best we can do. That, that's that's pretty good, uh, Cal. Mc, that's a pretty good composite acting? of Cal McNair, pretty good acting, and yeah, I was acting Jack my and also. And you know what? You know what? Uh, they would never you know say Deshaun that. Watson, you know what <laughs> Deshaun never, Watson? Would they would say never say that? anything like that. <laughs> what would he you say? You know what Deshaun Watson would say? Hmm. He would say, "Is that what you think?" Well, to quote The Rock, it doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what you think. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. I'm, Are you? You're not going to see you. You're not going to see your boy in training camp. I'm not going to be there. I'm not going to help make David Cully's transition. I hear you. To his head coaching I hear job. You. I'm not going to make that smooth. I hear you. Nick I hear Casario, you. I'm not going to make but here, his but here, job. But here's the reality. Deshaun, Deshaun, I hear you. I'm out. You can't trade yourself. You can't trade yourself. But I can make sure you myself. You have a no trade clause, so we I can't can make trade sure myself you doesn't without show your up permission. In camp. You can withhold your services. You have that right, yeah. and we have the right to find you. We don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. We have the right to come back for your money. We don't want to do that. And I'm not trying to test your gangster. I have no doubt that you're willing to go to take it this far. I have no doubt about it. So, let's move forward amicably. What's the solution? We don't want to trade you. You don't want to be here. There's only one way out of this, and that's to find a trade that we can't refuse. Go for it. You have my permission to seek I think, a trade. That's you it. know what, Mike? I think those trades are, I think that trade is out there. I mean, based on, I don't want to go too crazy because everybody, because I'm not sure that Matthew Stafford, uh, like the Rams-Lions trade is the market. I think it's a market. It, it, it had so many things in place that were just perfect for both sides. I'm not sure we can use that as a baseline to determine 
what's going to happen going forward with every uh, quarterback involving uh, every trade involving a Pro Bowl quarterback. I, I don't think that's I don't think that's sustainable. But with Deshaun Watson, I think his market is very strong and it's very it, it's rare that you're going to have teams that he's interested in going to in prime draft position for the Texans. You can't get better. Short of the number one pick, they're not gonna. That's not gonna happen. I don't think he wants to go to Jacksonville. Jacksonville's probably not willing to trade the number I wouldn't, one pick. I would. I would. Oh, by the way, we're not dealing with Jacksonville anyway. Cross them off. Whatever list you have, Deshaun, we're not dealing with Jacksonville. So you know, anybody else? Yeah, that's fine. We're not dealing with Jacksonville. But you're talking about Miami and the Jets at number two and number three, and then Miami has. That's really our asset. That the mm. previous general manager screwed up hmm. and allowed them to have that. I could just see that. That's a good fit for Deshaun Watson. It's a good fit for uh, oh, the Texans. 100%. You get great value. Uh-huh. Yeah. And there are quarterbacks there. Let's see, let's there are at let's, least let's two quarterbacks. At least two. Yeah. That are worthy of let's that selection. Yeah. Let's figure it out. Let's figure it out together. Okay, I, I don't want to play the Texans anymore. That was fun. I know. I it's not off. I want to. It's off. I, I was, that was, it, was, it was fun to get into character and the role play. But I want to move on to another quarterback now. Um, meanwhile, in Philadelphia, talk about playing games. Um, do you see the report that the Eagles? Well, so over weekend we thought it was imminent. I thought I thought there would be a trade right. happening yesterday, today. I, I thought there was a trade coming down the pipe. Carson Wentz is up out of there. Uh, apparently, they have not uh, gotten an offer to their liking. They have not got not gotten what they believe to be a fair uh, package proposed for. Um, for Carson Wentz. <laughs> this is funny to me. Exactly. Number two questions. Why would you? What is a fair offer for Carson Wentz? Right. Like, That's a good what question. Exactly. Are you holding out for for Carson Wentz? Two. What is your alternative? Because your jig is up. You're not bringing right. Carson Wentz back. Like unless he's you've already done enough damage with him. As a, or, or definitely not as the backup, starter or backup. But I'm saying, he ain't on his team. There's no only more. one. There's only one path for him. There's only one path for him in Philadelphia, and that means he has to start. And and think about how problematic that's that is. not I'm helping with you, anybody. By, by the way, exactly. Lay it out. You about to, you probably gonna take the words right out of my mouth. Why is that problematic? You know for saying? him to come back as a starter. Well, it's problematic for him to come back as a starter because that means now you've wiped out competition. So if Jalen Hurts beats him out. You're not allowed to let the better guy win because now you are playing Carson Wentz strictly for financial reasons, which loses all credibility. Uh, you lose credibility in the locker room. And the new head coach. I don't mean, I don't mean this literally. What? Carson Wentz is dead in that town. There is, like, Philadelphia yeah. ain't home for him no more. Like, he can't, he can't, he can't exist a- there. He can't have Jalen Hurts behind him. He cannot have Jalen Hurts behind him. He can't. And WIP in his ear. We already know he can't handle that. He couldn't he handle, handle Nick Foles behind him. He can't handle Jalen Hurts behind him. So, no, they can't bring him and, back as a starter. And I think in both of these situations. can't bring him back as a backup. Have you noticed this, though? In both of these situations, we're talking about um, rookie head coaches coming in to incredibly tough circumstances. And I think one team, Philadelphia, I think they're bluffing. I think they will trade Carson Wentz, and I think they'll trade him for a package that, that is not overwhelming because they, they have to. They have to trade him. They have to. And I think they know it. And other teams know it. That's why the offers aren't knocking them out. Because the other teams realize they don't have leverage. But based on the play of Carson Wentz in 2020, 
based on the presence of Jalen Hurts, and the comments, off the record comments of Wentz and his contract, that's overwhelming. You know, you put all those pieces together, he's got to go. And so they don't, they don't have leverage. Gotta go. The Eagles don't have leverage. Beggars can't be choo- beggars can't be choosers, man. Beggars can't be choosers. And I think like whether I it's think the they Colts, know it. Whether it's the Bears, I don't think the Texans they, they, know, they it. know it. They're trying to they trying they're trying to play. I to- listen, Michael. I told you this last week. And then it, man, listen, you, I, well, well, each of us has a pat one pat on the back per show. Yours was Russell Wilson. Mine was telling you exactly how this was going to play out when the Eagles when they were talking about a quarterback competition. Okay, and then over the weekend, sure enough, they're looking for a Matthew Stafford type trade, just as I said last week. So now they haven't gotten that Matthew Stafford type trade because they're trying to offer 2017 Carson Wentz, which is not what you're what any other team is getting. Whoever, whether it's the right. Colts, the Bears, the Patriots, anybody that takes Carson Wentz is doing the Eagles a favor because they're giving them wait for it. This is the topic. This is this is the metaphor du jour. They're giving them an off ramp. They're giving them an off ramp from this situation. Like they're taking on, I mean, yeah, they'll take a cap hit, but they're taking his salary and they're relieving you of a quarterback controversy, a quarterback competition, which is the same thing for your rookie head coach. So the Eagles ain't fooling nobody. They ain't fooling us. And most of all, they ain't fooling these other teams that they're supposedly negotiating with. They haven't received a fair offer. So what? So what you gonna do about it? What you gonna do? You gonna keep right. it? <laughs> you're, not, you're not gonna move him? What's fair? Fair is only what you have the leverage to negotiate. Fair is what you only have the leverage to command. Okay, my am I do I have a fair salary? It's what I'm getting paid. Am I worth more? Maybe I am. <laughs> I'm only worth what I can command. <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Hypothetically speaking, maybe I should be making three times as much as I as, go find it. <laughs> you know yeah, I was gonna say, okay, yeah, I mean, let's, let's be let's be let's be real about it. That's great. Glad you feel that way. You should feel that way. You should feel like Carson Wentz because you traded up to get him because you invested so much in him. You should feel like he's worth more. Guess what? He's one of the worst quarterbacks in the league last year. We're doing you a favor. Take it. Come on now. Yeah, and I think I think he will all wind right. up on. Um, I think he'll Which wind up in on? a good situation. When it's all said and done, he'll wind up in a good situation. I think he will. Uh, but they'll be lucky. They'll be lucky if they get a first round pick. They're probably not going to get a first round. Oh, they ain't get a first Wentz. rounder. No, I, I would oh, no. never give up. A I'm first saying round one. Carson Wentz. Not even one. I wouldn't. Give up, I would not give up one first round pick for Carson Wentz. I would not give up a. I would not give up a first round pick for Carson Wentz. I would not. No, that's too high for me. If I'm the Colts, Bears, whoever, you're not getting a one for Carson Wentz. Hell no. No, just because he was taken in round one. No, I'll find a quarterback. No, I mean, no thanks. No thanks. You look at. You a, I mean, I, I, I still get, think maybe, he's a good maybe quarterback. Maybe I'll give you a two. I think he can be a. Based I think on? he can be a really good quarterback. I think he's got good quarterback, good quarterbacking left in him. I don't know if you agree with that. I do. Yeah, and I know. I agree it, with it. That's why I'm interested in trading for him. But I'm not going to pay a premium, given what I saw from him last year, and given the situation that you're in. This is me taking it back in role play. This is me taking advantage of your situation. I was going to say what you need to get rid of Carson Wentz. I want a quarterback. I'm Philly now. Who's more desperate? I guess it ain't me. It's you. You're more desperate for to get rid of Carson Wentz than I am to acquire him, says any other team in this conversation. Because there are other quarterbacks I could get. There are plenty of other quarterbacks I could get. I want Carson. I prefer Carson. I'm not going to overpay for him. This is like, a, it's like going, you're going to buy a car. Can't reek of destin, yeah. de, uh, desperation. You go into a car dealership. Can't do that. No, 
Not at all. I got, all right. Let's take a break. No, we, I'm, I'm sure we're behind on breaks. Go ahead. Last word as, but you as, get as ready. the music plays. Go ahead. When you, when you go to a car dealership, just get ready for this. I just got to talk to my man. Let me just go talk to my manager real quick. I'll get back to you. I mean, I don't know. Hey, you know, my manager says we can do this. Stop. I don't want to play games. I just want the car. (laughs) The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. You know what? What do you mean LeBron I, watches this show or is what not not this show? You mean like no, some no. other show? You don't mean this little thing. No. You don't mean this little I remember that. I, I think here. this I think I think LeBron watches Brother from Another, also known as Two Dudes on Zoom. Yes. Um because No way. What? You don't think he watches us? You don't think he goes around <laughs> looking at the hashtag Kids from Akron, finding a kid from Akron to, to give some support to. Kid who's, who grew up right in his neighborhood, right in his neighborhood, LeBron, right down the street from you. Oh, oh, you think he cares because of you? Ah, oh, I see. Okay. Yes. Okay. Well, yes. All right. I'm speaking for myself. Hey, I'm not going to flatter myself. I'll leave that to you. Now, but, you know, because of me, because this is Ubuntu, because of me, he also cares about you too. I exist because you are. Uh, look, no, in all seriousness, so I was just playing around. It seems like since we started that conversation, remember we had that conversation that LeBron I had this revelation, this LeBron Jordan revelation. Look at some of these numbers that he has put up since we had this whole, I got LeBron over Jordan. We've got two, we've got three games. Oh. In two of the three games, he's had triple doubles. Uh, Last game, you see it right there, 28 points, 14 rebounds, 12 assists. Game against the Nuggets, their so-called competition in the Western Conference, they pulled away from them and beat them handily. And then, so after they beat the Thunder last night, I don't know if you saw it, LeBron was asked about, hey, did you watch Tom Brady? Does it, seeing him at 43 years old, does it change what you're thinking about yourself? And he gave a, a good and philosophical answer, hey, it doesn't change anything, different positions, different sports. But he's inspiring. And, and and you want to talk about legacy. At 36 years old, the best player in the sport, just won his fourth championship, favored to win his fifth. Now, there's a legacy conversation you can have about LeBron. But I just I think it's just, I don't think it's a coincidence that he started to play, he's really started to turn it on since we had this conversation about LeBron versus Jordan. I don't know. Okay. Good. No, I like that tongue-in-cheek uh, take there. I like that a lot. I want to focus on a word that we throw around a lot. Uh, not legacy, but appreciate. You know, we should appreciate LeBron. We should appreciate 
greatness. Appreciate Tom Brady, you know, while we can. But I want to, this appreciate can mean admire. It could mean, um, you know, celebrate, uh, recognize. But appreciate could also mean just gratitude, like thank you. I appreciate yep. you. I appreciate what you've done. And that's where I'm at this morning, or this afternoon, I should say. That's where I'm at with LeBron right now. Like, man to man, straight up, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your professionalism. The stat that blew my mind today, so what, was, what wasn't on that graphic, where it showed the two triple-doubles in the last three games, we can put it back up. The number that wasn't on that graphic was the minutes played. Played 42 minutes last night. Played 46 minutes in that, I think it was a double overtime game against the Pistons two nights yeah. earlier. That's right. Two nights ago, 46. Last night, 42. Okay? This year, at 36 years old, okay, 18th season, he is averaging 34 and a half minutes a game. That's more than Zion Williamson, Trey Young, Donovan Mitchell, Jalen Brown, Bam Adebayo, De'Aaron Fox, and Ben Simmons. I just appreciate, and I had a producer who, who, who told me this once, and it always stuck with me. When I was first starting to do the, this daily talk show thing, he was like, mm -hmm. you know what made Michael Jordan great was the 40 he dropped in Sacramento on a Tuesday night when nobody was watching. Not just the game six, not just the playoffs, but like brought it every night. Right. And I look at LeBron, and I'm like, this year was supposed to be, man, it was a short and off season, 72 games, a lot of low management, a lot of resting. He just, the other day he was talking about he's got no energy and no enthusiasm for the All-Star game. You best believe he's going to show up there and win MVP. Because that's say, what he does. He's going he's to dominate. He's going to yeah, dominate. That's, so I just that's appreciate, and, and, and I know he makes it look easy because of his, his God-given, you know, stature and strength and speed and talent and athleticism. But this man has absolutely nothing to prove at this point. But for him to be wired to get up night in and night out and, and lay it out there, come up with a triple-double in in, 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 in in February? When he just coming on? I mean, it's like the, the consistency, not just his ability to perform at this age, but the consistent effort, commitment, and professionalism that ultimately he's doing it for us. He's providing us like with nightly entertainment, not just moments, but nightly entertainment. So thank you. Ooh, I, love I appreciate that, LeBron James. I appreciate uh, two, that. Um, two questions for you. Two quick questions for you before we on, on this because yeah, we gotta we gotta cover yeah, something else. Yeah. Two quick ones. One, was that producer saying it out of appreciation for Jordan or trying to get you to play harder? It was the latter. <laughs> It was the no, honestly, oh. it was the latter. It was the latter. Oh, for real? It was it was it was a pep talk. It was a pep talk. Um, it was uh, it was Jamie Horowitz. I'll, I'll name check him. It was Jamie Horowitz. Yeah. Um, name check. And it, it it was when I first started Numbers Never Lie. And he was he was basically letting me know that hey, this isn't this isn't uh, you, you coming you're showing up here and there on a show like carrying a daily talk show. And when you and I That'd talked about this when we were going to start this show. Carrying it, not just bring it every day, but every topic. Topic every in topic, and topic right. out. Yep. Like, you don't know when yes. somebody's tuning in or out. Like, you got to bring that's it right. every single day. You can't just say, you know what, man, I ain't got it today. 
Right. I ain't feel. I, I'm sorry. I ain't had. I ain't had time to research this, or I ain't had time to look this up. Or I'm tired. I had a long night. It's like you got to bring it every single day if you're gonna do this. And if you go, and, and so not not in any way to compare what, what we do to what LeBron does. I'm simply saying it resonated because yeah, Jordan Jordan he played 82, and all of them he played like like it was his last. Play, yeah, played. And LeBron played, is playing played hard. in his 18th year, 36, like he still got something to prove. He hungry. I love still. it. Stri I love star it. He's starving and striving for greatness. Yeah. And my so, second question. And, 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 and second it resonated with me. And as a result, I was a different guy. Go ahead. I'm listening. I like it. My second question on this is, will you believe if we get LeBron James on the show in the next month? By, uh, like before the season is over. Let's put it that way. If we get him on the show before the season is over, will you believe that he is a fan, a brother from another? I think LeBron may be aware of who I am. Maybe. Not sure. Not certain. I think he is. I think he is. Um, my sources, my sources tell so me. So if you if you could get him if you could get him on the show, that's all you, dog. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> that ain't got nothing to do all right, with right, me. Cool. So I will appreciate okay. you. I will appreciate you and LeBron if he gets on the show, because he ain't coming on the show because cool. of me. I Good enough. Much get ready. Speaking of Let's things we ready. appreciate. Um, pivoting to a, a serious a serious topic, um, yeah. and I'll pass it to you. Uh, we I think we both appreciated the the bravery of uh, Pacers assistant head coach, or not assistant head coach. I beg your pardon, assistant coach Bill Baino, uh, who has stepped down uh, due to mental health reasons. Take it away. Yeah, Mike. Uh, this story really stood out to me. You know, Bill Baino is fifty eight. Uh, he's been around basketball for a long time. I mean, college basketball, he was out of UNLV. Uh, he spent some time at UMass. Uh, he's been around the NBA as an assistant coach. Just one of those guys who's just uh, just a basket, just a basketball guy. I, I, I was telling a friend of mine uh, a couple of months ago, I just, like, I just love talking with basketball people. There's just something different about basketball people, people who love the game. And he's one of them. But I, I want to give him all the credit in the world because he's dealt with some loss recently. Lost both of his parents a couple of years ago. Uh, the pandemic has been tough. I think he's lost um, a couple of friends of his during the pandemic. And he decided that this just wasn't the time for him to be focused on basketball. He wanted to step away and think about some of the things, some of the, and just kind of assess some of the losses in his life. And we've talked about this on the well, show. Well, it's also, it's also Michael. It's also sorry to cut you off. It's also Michael and Kyrie Irving. It's also uh, the madness, reportedly, the madness and social unrest of 2020 has also mm -hmm. weighed on him. In addition to his yeah. uh, his personal trauma. And I think, and I, I hope, Mike, that we have made it clear on this show that we're all about it. We're all about that. That we believe in it, and that in some cases. Corporate America is, or, or or sports, sports teams, which is which is an extension of corporate America. If you really think about it, but uh, it, the whole sports industry is sometimes behind the rest of the culture. It doesn't make you soft. It doesn't mean that oh, something's wrong with you. It's all right. It's all right to look around and not compartmentalize. It's all right to look around and say, well, hey. Oh, I'm just going to keep doing my job. I'm going to block this out. Some people can do that. 
and it hits them later. Or some people it never hits. We're all different. Uh, it, it, all these things kind of strike us at different times, at different paces. And I, and I just want to say, you know, Bill Baino, good for you. Good for you to step back. Yes. yes. I think you'll come back yes. stronger for it. You'll come back better for it, clear-eyed, uh, and, and able to maybe, maybe able to resume being an, an NBA and assistant coach. Yeah. Or maybe you look at it and say, I've done this for a while. I'm going to do something else, whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, just uh, all the best to Bill Baino and, and uh, whatever he's going to do in the next uh, few weeks. Bravo. Well said. Um, I'll just add that he's still coaching and teaching in absentia because this is going to help a lot of people uh, who need the strength to step away, to, to prioritize themselves. There's a culture of, oh, I can't let people down. Or I got people depending on me. And that's true. But sometimes you need to put yourself and your family first. Speaking of families, I want to also appreciate and uh, send our condolences. I know you do as well. We gave him a nice, uh, we, we, we spent a lot of time on him the other day. I want to recognize yeah. uh, the passing of legendary uh, NFL, should be Hall of Fame coach, Marty Schottenheimer. And Michael, I just want to, I want to say this. Marty never won a Super Bowl, as we all know. But, and we've been talking about legacies. Just like, just as you judge a man by his fruit, uh, you judge a coach by his tree and the fruit from that tree. You know Bill Cower well. I'll, 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 I'll cede the floor to you when it comes to Bill Cower. Bill Cower begat Dom Capers and Jim Hazlitt and Marvin Lewis and Mike Malarkey and Ken Wisenhunt. He also, also Gunther Cunningham. The late Gunther Cunningham comes from Marty Schottenheimer's coaching tree. So does the aforementioned Herm Edwards, Mike McCarthy, Cam Cameron, Bruce Arians, and, and also, I mentioned Rob Chazinski and, and Doug Marone as well, um, also come from Marty Schottenheimer's coaching tree. Think about the careers and the lives and the imprint on history that Marty Schottenheimer's career had. Yep. So you want to talk about what he didn't do? Again, we have to focus on what this man did. And it was a lot for the game and for a lot of different families and a lot of different men. Yeah, I, I agree. And uh, I love what Bill Cowher said there. NFL lost a legend, but heaven has been blessed with a leader. And so many people say that about Marty uh, Schottenheimer, that he was always prepared as a coach, but he really wanted to know about you as a man. He really, some of the life lessons that he gave were, were applicable to football, but once you stop playing football, those life les lessons were still relevant. So... Uh, rest in peace, rest in power, uh, Marty Schottenheimer, and, and to uh, everybody who loved him as well. All right, PFT, PM is coming up. Michael, let's continue putting on for the company, for Peacock, because Peacock has hit a home run. News of the day. One of our favorite franchises is coming back, Michael. It's I know there. how much you love the there best man and the best man holiday. We're doing a limited series with the original Cast, come on, come come on. In pick Peacock. Ten episodes. Malcolm D. Lee, Dana Lynn North. They're going to write and executive produce. Yes. Yeah. Remember, people used to think you look like Bruce. I've heard that. I've heard that so many times. <laughs> 
Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.